This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today. What's up, everyone? Billy Carson here, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. This is another episode on the Forbidden Knowledge podcast, and today I'm going to go on a rant. So today I'm going to talk about financial literacy and I'm going to talk about a little bit uh, or touch on the the, the haters a little bit uh, that um, have kind of propagated this theory or this concept or this idea that a person uh, that is seeking consciousness, a person that is seeking uh, ascension, the, a person that is seeking wellness and health and all the things that come with elevating consciousness, uh, they're kind of assuming that that person should fit into their little box of their concept or their idea of what a person should be and that they should be financially destitute. That matter of fact, it's best if they're financially destitute. Well, I'm here to tell you that doesn't make any sense. And if you've fallen for that foolishness, uh, then you've just been you've been tricked. You've been tricked into a low vibration. There's a reason why I wrote this book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. It's my bestseller right now, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. Bestseller is on Amazon.com. It's also on ForbiddenKnowledge.com. It's 688 pages. This is a new financial Bible. This book has phenomenal, phenomenal reviews, by the way. And some of you may not know about my full story, about my upbringing and the things that I had gone through as a youth. I'm going to touch on them briefly today in this podcast. Before I do that, I want to read to you the dedication that I gave to my father. My father was a pretty hard dude, man. He was rough. He was rough and tough. He was uh, a drug addict. He was an alcoholic uh, until the day that he died. Unfortunately, uh, police brutality led to his death. And unfortunately, uh, and fortunately, at the same time, really, it wasn't due to the fact of him even being intoxicated at all. He was actually perfectly fine in enjoying a very nice evening at a concert when someone called 911 because he was the only black man at the concert in the front row. And so the cops came in and proceeded to beat him down, give him a double concussion and broke his back in front of all the cameras and everything else. Uh, you know, and out of all of that, after this, after subpoenaed the 911 tapes and subpoenaing the uh, the video from the uh, the cops and everything else, uh, he won the case. But all he ended up getting was thirty nine thousand. And after medical bills and attorney's fees, he ended up with nine thousand dollars, which he just gave away because that's how my dad was. He really didn't. Um, he really didn't care. He knew that he was old. He knew he had pretty much lived his life. And there were some people in the neighborhood that needed some money for some for their broken down car and some other stuff. And he pretty much just gave all the money away. 
Um, but either way, uh, he was pretty tough, man. We had a, a rough upbringing. We grew up very, very poor. Um, I remember that when, my, when I was 12 years old, my dad called me into the room and told me that I had to start paying rent at 12 and that he wasn't going to buy any more school clothes for me or my brother or my sister and that we had to go get it for ourselves. And so, um, you know, that's just one of the many, many things that uh, would I think would have cracked the normal kid. I think the average kid would have crumbled under that kind of pressure, uh, especially kids of today in this era. They just, you know, the, the toughness, the mental toughness right now is just seems to be severely lacking. But that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> and, you know, when I was a kid, my father would make me do book reports at the age of one. He had me reading books. He had me doing when he realized I had an aptitude for reading and comprehension. He had me starting to do book reports at the age of one. At 10 months, I was reading children's books and walking. At one years old, I was already reading uh, grown-up books. And the first book that I actually read is The Sea Wolf by Jack London, a classic novel, a very small novel, but still a novel. Uh, and then, you know, he would give me these biblical verses to recite. And I would recite them so easily, he would then take me to different bars and stuff where he would hang out all night and make me recite you know, the 23rd Psalm or, or the Lord's prayer to the people at the bar, just to his bar mates or whatever. And I tell him, dad, you know, you're going to get beat up when you get home <laughs> by mom. And he said, yeah, I know. And then, uh, yeah, he'd take me home at three or four o'clock in the morning and he'd definitely get beat up. <laughs> but either way, like I said, it was just, it was a crazy, it was a crazy upbringing, but there were some things that happened to me that sent me down a path that I think the average person would not have gone down. Uh, I saw things differently from the time I was a kid. So I was able to handle pressure differently. I was able to handle adversity differently. And so because of that, I dedicated this book to my dad, whereas the normal person probably would have never done that. But this book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke, I dedicated to him. I'm going to read the dedication uh, to you so you can kind of get an idea where I'm coming from. Uh, let's see here. Get to the dedication page real quick, guys. It says, I dedicate this book to my father, Billy Carson Sr. Although we didn't always see eye to eye, he instilled a hard work ethic in me. From the early age of one years old, I was writing weekly book reports. By the age of 12, my parents required me to pay rent to live in the family home. I was also required to use my own money to pay for most of my daily needs. While this would have had an adverse effect on most children, it drove me. This work ethic pushed me to become the innovative thinker and entrepreneur. For this reason, I thank you, Dad. You saw something in me and you used your methods to extract it and teach me how to become my own savior. I love you, Pops. Rest in power. So, you know, I come from underneath the gutter, literally like uh, where I come from. It only continues to get worse. <laughs> I was down there maybe about three months ago and the elementary school that I used to go to now has a 12 foot barbed wire fence around it to keep the drug dealers away from the children. When I was going to school, the crossing guards used to jack us for our lunch money or our lunch, either or, depending on whatever you had that day. So you had to go around the backside to get into the school around and away from the actual crossing guards or you'd get robbed. You know, so this is the, you know, this is where I come from. So, as I began to really understand um, business and making money, which started really when I got fed up with not having any money for the ice cream truck, uh, 
and decided to go and sell all of my toys door to door for donations. So I went door to door asking for donations, a dollar, a penny, a nickel, whatever you have. I'm just trying to raise some funds so I can go to the ice cream truck, ma'am, sir. And they started giving me money. And that's when it dawned on me. Something just clicked in my head. The key to saving myself or getting out of this situation is for me to take action. I am literally the savior that I've been waiting on. And once I realized that, uh, my whole outlook on my future changed. Because up until that point, I was wondering, is this is this what my life, is this what I'm going to be stuck in? As I looked at all the friends that I had and their uh, their parents in this like, you know, this concrete jungle that we literally lived in. And I'm wondering, is this my destiny? And then all of a sudden that day came where I had that spark, that idea to go door to door and not beg, but actually exchange something for money. In other words, find a need and fill it. And so when I went and found the need and filled it, it money was a side effect. And then I knew from that day on that my future was going to be totally different than everyone else in that city. I felt it. I knew it deep in my soul because I said to myself, I'm going to make it out because I am going to do whatever it takes to get the heck out of here. Because all it needed was that little spark, that little tiny glimmer of light. And when I got that, I was like, okay, this is what we got to do. I'm going to go ahead and, and start putting together some plans. So when my dad called me in at the age of 12, he called me into his bedroom and told me, hey, you got to pay rent. We're not going to buy you school clothes and so forth and so on. I was like, okay, well, that's that's no problem. I was ready. I was like literally ready for that. Like it didn't even shock me. It didn't stun me. It didn't make my heart palpitate. It didn't shake me. Now you tell that to a kid today at the age of 12, they might pass out or they're going to go ch- call child services. They're going to have people coming to your house to check out your, you know, check out your, your house and see how you're raising your kids. And if your house is clean, if you have food and everything else, they might even take your kids away if you tell your kids that these days. But back then there was nobody coming. Nobody. And, uh, you know, so I went and looked in the paper and there was a company called the uh, the Miami News and the Miami News. They were literally hiring 12 year old to 16 year old kids to go door to door to sell newspaper subscriptions. And uh, and so I joined that team. I got hired. I joined that team. The uh, actual, uh, you know, the, the, the leader or the team leader, you want to call him. He'd come by in a pickup truck. This is how we went to work pick you up in a pickup truck with the other kids that's working. This is again, you can't, this is before seatbelt laws and all this other stuff. This is back in the day. This is, you know, in the early eighties. And, um, and so we go out and he take you to a corner and he say, you square that block, you square that block, you square that block. Squaring a block means he drops me off on the corner. He points to the corner that I'm on. You square that block means go door to door until you get back to this exact point on this corner. Go around the entire block door to door until you get back here. So I'd go to door to door with my little presentation and my little you know uh, receipt book. And I would start selling newspaper subscriptions. I became the top newspaper subscription salesperson on the on the teams there for my region. I even won a trip down to um, it was Key West. We won a trip to. So I won the trip down to Key West with a few other kids which was pretty cool because I had never been that far away from my house ever. So it was, it was a phenomenal trip to go see like a whole nother city. A whole, it was almost like going to another country in a way. That's how far away it seemed for us. But um, I took that money and I, I, I saw my friends taking that money and blowing it every single day. Every time they got paid, the money was gone within just a few days. Gone on junk. I paid my little rent fee that I had to pay. 
I took care of my little minor expenses that I had, and I found ways around that. I had two pairs of pants, so I would just buy dye and bleach. And so I would take a bucket, I would put my pants inside the bucket and bleach them back white, and then I would take the 69-cent Ritz dye from Winn-Dixie Grocery Store and dye them a different color, hang them up to dry, starch and iron them the next morning with a really stiff crease, and go to school with a different color pair of pants on keep my money in my pocket. <laughs> okay. Um, and so when I saved that money, the only thing that I did buy that was of any expense really was a $19.95 calculator watch. And that was my thing. I was into tech like that. I just thought, I thought it was so cool to have a watch that actually had digital readout when everybody else had an analog watch. It was one of the very first digital readout watches available. And uh, I happened to realize that my friend, uh, his dad's car had an analog car stereo. And I looked at my watch and I told my friend that these digital numbers are going to be on the radios in cars soon. And he scoffed and laughed at me, said, you crazy. I said, I'm telling you. OK, about maybe a week later, not even if not even that, my mom sends me to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store and I go to the magazine rack every single time. That's my favorite place to go. And right in front of my eyes, somebody had taken the Opportunity magazine from the adult height and put it down to the kid height. They dropped it down in the lower level. I picked up this magazine called Opportunity. When I opened it, the first page it opened to was Galaxy Electronics. And in that Galaxy Electronics, they had wholesale digital car stereos for the very first time. It was like the, the new release of the century for you. Know, Everyone's going to have these one day. And I was like, wow, I calculated how much money I had saved for my newspaper sales, uh, subscription sales. And I realized I can buy quite a few of these digital car radios. Wholesale was only $20 a, a, a radio. So I called them up. I made the deal. I did a COD, cash on delivery. Back then you had COD. So there was no risk to the person doing the selling because the UPS man would show up at your house with an envelope and you'd have to put the exact amount of cash in that envelope. And then he detaches little stub and make you sign it and sign this other little stub and he'd take the cash and that money would end up back at the seller. So that's how I got my account. I remember the seller said, you sound like a kid. And I was like, no, no, I'm just getting over a cold. <laughs> and uh, it didn't matter to him because once he got that first COD back in the mail, I had an open account and I was good to go. And I started selling these digital car stereos to all the upperclassmen at the high school around the corner. And I became very popular for having these cars. Nobody could, these radios for the cars. Nobody can beat my prices because I didn't have to, I had zero overhead. Literally, all I had was the cost of buying the equipment and that was it. So before you knew it, word got around and people were coming from the Tri-County area to buy these digital car stereos with me. And remember at this time, nobody had them yet. So this was like, the first time anyone got the internet or an email, you, oh, you're happy to open your email up the first time you get an email account. Now you don't want to open it anymore, right? So you're tired of getting spam. But back then, when you, know, you first get on AOL, it's like, you got mail. Well, I had the radios, and everybody wanted one of these things. I started expanding into EQ boosters, power amps, Sanyo 100s, and, and subwoofers, and 6x9s, and even had a friend down the street that knew how to do installations because he was working at an installation place. I recruited him to come over and do installations right in my yard. And so I was killing it. By the time I turned 13, I was already making more than my parents. What do you think I was doing with all that money? 
you think I was going crazy with it? The only thing I did was make sure I had some clothes and enough sneakers because I got tired of wearing sneakers with holes in the bottom. The last pair of sneakers that my mom bought me were a pair of McGregor football cleats with the rubber cleats on the bottom. I had to go to school. They only cost five bucks at Kmart. That's why she bought them. I had to go to school with McGregor football cleats. I don't know if you know how embarrassing that is, but it's extremely embarrassing to walk anywhere in the cleats. They make so much noise. Everywhere you go, they're making noise. I had to play basketball. I had to go to basketball practice in McGregor football cleats. Football cleats is what I play basketball in. I wore those basketball, I mean, those uh, shoes down playing basketball till the cleats became nubs and it was a flat, it was a flat shoe by the time I got done. So one thing I did do is I invested myself in some sneakers. I made sure I had good sneakers that fit my size of my foot. My feet weren't in pain anymore. I didn't have any more holes in my shoes. So that's what I, that's what I did do. But the rest of the money, I saved it. Why did I save that money? Because I knew I had to have money for reinvesting into my business. I knew that I had to have money for a rainy day. And I knew that my main and ultimate goal was to get out of the ghetto, get my own place and start fresh. You know, so I got a car and I was already making my plans. By the time I turned 16, I was already out, gone. Bye bye. Moved out. Got my mom to sign over a letter. I got an apartment in Star Creek Apartments, which was a brand new construction. Got myself into a brand new apartment, had my car, still went to school and still graduated from high school and still ran my businesses. Even along the way of doing that, I made more sacrifices. Grad night costs money. Prom costs money. Graduation costs money. I sacrificed going to all three of those things. I didn't go to any one of them. So now I have to live vicariously through the Facebook group that I'm in for my, you know, my graduation class. And I see them posting all the photos and pictures and all the memories. I have to live vicariously through them. At at that time, my my main focus was continuing to ascend, continuing to excel, continuing to become better, to perfect and hone my skills, my techniques, find new products to sell, find new businesses to sell. I became such a good uh, marketer. I opened up a marketing firm. So I was doing marketing Marketing for businesses. This is the old-fashioned marketing. This is not internet marketing. Didn't exist. The internet didn't exist yet. You know, I had to start doing it. I had to do it the old-fashioned way. And it was, you know, postcards and 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 letters and mailing lists and things like that. Mail drops. Hiring people to go door-to-door and drop flyers on doors and cars and all that kind of stuff. That was how we did marketing back then. You know, cold calling businesses and setting appointments and stuff like that. So between my business, you know, once the once a lot of people ended up really, you know, the 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 uh, getting the car stereos after a few years, so that started to die as as new car production started to install them at the factory level, and so after a, I had a good you know three and a half four year run, and then it was time for me. I saw the out. I started you know seeing my exit and started moving into other things, marketing other businesses, and also. Uh, doing marketing for myself for other products that I came up with, you know, for ideas for selling. Still did very well. Had some huge, huge marketing clients. Huge. At one point, I was making almost $10,000 a week. You know, this is in my early 20s uh, with marketing. This is pre-internet. Now, you learn a lot of lessons through this uh, through this growth process that I went through on my own, stumbling through the dark, really. You know, you make mistakes, you learn, um, 
And even though I was very good at saving money, when it really started pouring in, when the money really started coming in really well, even I got a little carried away. You know, I did a little bit too much. Um, and I did. And it wasn't because I was just blowing it vicariously. I was I was spending it on things that to me that had value, like a house, a new car and traveling. Right. At the same time, I didn't realize the ratio that I needed to have, you know, like a, a you know, a 70 30 ratio of spending for saving. And so I had savings, but I didn't have a lot. And when my main client, my my biggest client, I lost them because the owners of that company ended up having a falling out and they ended up breaking that company apart. And there were no more money coming from that company. There was no other way for me to find another client. I was looking. I hadn't found a client that large. That was a whale. It was a whale of a client. And so little by little, I had, you know, if you took, if I took away, when I took away that income from that client, I was negative on a monthly basis on my expenses. I ended up losing everything, house, car, the whole works. I had to go get a, a junker, a rust bucket junker from uh, everything on wheels or anything, anything on wheels on Oakland Park Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. It was 340 bucks. I had to get that car on layaway. That's how far backwards I had gone. But I didn't give up. I had in my brain, I knew that there was going to be a way. If I could look up, I could see up. I knew the recipe already. Someone let me 30 bucks. And I cashed that 30 bucks into quarters. And I actually started get, got on a payphone and pulled out the old yellow book. Started cold calling new businesses and got myself a couple of marketing deals, got some advanced payments, got myself off the street, got back into an apartment, got another car and just kept on growing from there. Great lesson that I learned, though, because now I have the perspective of what it's like to not have a place to go and take a warm shower and lay in a nice, comfortable bed, sleeping inside of a junker car in the parking lot of a, in the back of a hotel off of A1A in uh, Biscayne in, uh, in Miami. So you gain all these perspectives. I've seen the roller coaster of ups and downs in my life. I've been high, I've been low, I've been in between. And the reason why I'm telling you the story is because when you get to the point that I've gotten to now where I've pretty much uh, gained financial literacy, I've mastered a lot of the financial aspects of how to save, how to maintain, how to sustain, how to accrue, how to gain more assets. What decisions, what type of buying decisions to make assets, uh, you know, or something that's depreciating or, or, or appreciating, you know, these types of decisions you learn over time. I had to learn them. They had nobody else. I had to start getting books. I had to start reading financial literacy books. I had to go to the store and start reading bookstore and reading books on my own. And at, at one point I didn't even have, didn't even have the money to buy the books, but I would go to the bookstore and sit there and read the books in the bookstore, in the bookstore. You know, if you if you, you you have you find a way when it's important to you, you find a way. And so now I've gotten to a point in my life where I've become, you know, fairly successful. Uh, I've you know, I've built, done built big businesses in 2004. I had a company called Dot Com Marketing Group. Again, another innovation that I had. I saw that the Internet was going to be a reality back in 1998. I started one of the very first Internet marketing companies which became a, a very successful multi-million dollar company, which I then went into a merger with Globebench uh, Inc., which was a company on the pink sheets that needed a cash-rich company on its paper to go to the stock exchange. They then went into a reverse merger with the Amber Alert Company. So my original startup.com actually uh, partly funded the Amber Alert Company. 
I did an exit a strategy on that, a cash out in 2004, $3 million cash, and moved on and went on a seven-year, uh, I guess you want to call it sabbatical. <laughs> I just decided at that time I wanted to spend time with my kids, and uh, I wanted to give them the upbringing that I thought I really missed out on as a you know father to father to son, father to daughters. And so I spent seven years training them, working with them, playing with them, volunteering at all their schools, all their sporting events. I was there with them 24-7. I used to complain sometimes that I was there too much. I was everywhere. Every time they turned around, they saw my face. But I spent so much time with my kids now that, uh, you know, even if their mom was to spend every waking minute of her life for the rest of her life with them, I was she'd never catch up to the amount of hours I spent. I mean, literally everywhere they turned, I was there in their schools. I coached all their teams. I created new programs, new sports programs, just so they can have sports to play in, uh, help build a YMCA just so they can have a place to actually go. You know, I participated in all these, on these major things for them. And then I realized, okay, my, my, um, you know, my non-compete and everything else is coming up to an end time to get back to work. Uh, especially once the kids started getting closer to getting to college mission accomplished. And I went back in and came out with mobile apps in 2008 created some innovative mobile apps, first of their kind type of mobile apps that made major, major news across the United States. I had an app that would allow college coaches to communicate with high school athletes without violating the NCAA guidelines through the mobile app. Uh, found loopholes there, which became very successful. Uh, the first person to go pro, you know, of course, off their own talent and skill, but also by getting watched by colleges through the app was Kelvin Taylor, uh, a former NFL uh, player, Fred Taylor's son, who's now he's in the NFL as well. You know, so I did that and I had a couple of other innovative apps that came out and I ended up creating mobile apps as a business. And I had, uh, you know, a team that I put together creating mobile apps. Then I started call centers and I opened up call centers selling various products, whether it was web services, apps, health leads, um, you know, all the uh, leads for people with disabilities to, so they can get the different types of uh, equipment that they need, if, whether it be canes or wheelchairs or whatever. And then eventually, uh, you know, vacation sales uh, had a huge call center, had 50 employees there. So over time, I just kept learning, developing and growing and evolving. And, you know, I became an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, looking for the next best thing, looking for the next thing that would, you know, continue to not only sustain my my level of, uh, of income, but also take me to the next level and to the next level. And I kept building and building and building. But along the way, I learned a lot of lessons. And so why am I telling you all this? Because a lot of you don't know my full story. You, some of you just see me doing an Instagram live in a Rolls Royce or I'm in the back of a Rolls Royce getting driven around or uh, I'm going on all these trips all over the world, you know, and I'm, I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. And I'm doing all these what appear to be these phenomenal, great things. But nobody truly knows the journey, you know, the journey. The journey was it was um, was amazing, but it had a lot of times where it was daunting. And I've earned the right to be in the position that I'm in. And so anyone who has done anything in their life that's worthwhile and they achieve any level of success, they've earned the, to be in that position that they're in. Literally, you cannot you cannot judge people based off of what you see from your perspective, you don't know the full journey. You shouldn't judge anybody anyway, but you don't know the journey, you know? So it's really, it's just really, it, it's, it's funny to me how 
if I'm sitting inside of a, a beat up, uh, you know, a hoopty or, or 19 or 2005 Toyota Corolla or 2005 Honda Civic and I go on an Instagram live, if that was the case, uh, I wouldn't hear anybody saying anything about it. You know, no, oh, you know, this guy, you know, he's conscious. But if I go live in a in a in a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce, which I've done or, or a G wagon, which I've done. You know, or uh, you know, whatever, whatever I'm in at the time, it's it's always uh, negative feedback. You know, it's uh, oh, this guy, he's he's in a you know, I have a person's comment before you're in you're in a you're in a European car. This car is European, and you're supposed to be woke and conscious. Oh, okay. Well, um, do you know that the screen that you use to type that silly comment? These screens here that we have on all of our mobile devices. Do you know the origin of the source of these screens that you use to type their comment? These screens come from forced child labor in Africa. Yeah, these mines where they mine this material to make these screens and the car windshields and the rear view mirrors, the computers, the laptops, the tablets, all that literally comes from forced child labor so then throw your phone in the garbage if you're trying to be conscious and woke then throw your phone and throw your phone away how about the rent or the mortgage that you pay every month the money is going to the elites even if you pay rent it goes to a person who then has to pay their mortgage it goes to a person who may have a mortgage paid off but then they've got to pay property taxes to the government it never ends i can keep going on and on you know, the majority of the the uh, the mechanical pieces inside of your vehicle, even if it is a Honda Civic or a 1979 Chevy Nova, they're not conscious parts. A lot of those parts are made in China, forced labor, labor camps in China. A lot of those parts are made in um, made with different types of chemicals that harm the environment. A lot of those parts are, are made from uh, materials and things that literally can, uh, if you know, if you if you if you really stand in back of your car and inhale the exhaust, it's going to kill you. So if you're so conscious and woke, why are you driving a car that emits exhaust fumes? You take a Tesla. Oh, I got a Tesla. Oh, you got a Tesla. Oh, I'm glad you got a Tesla. You're still using gas. Why? Because Tesla has to be plugged into an electric outlet, and that electric outlet is connected to a power plant down the street that uses oil. <laughs> to create electricity and then the tesla uh, uh plants that make the actual vehicles they have a huge carbon footprint some of the largest carbon footprints on planet earth the plants that actually build the cars still again using majority of oil so nowhere you go you can't you can't you just can't escape it so you can't judge a person because of the car they drive, the clothes they have on, the shoes they have on, because we're all in the matrix together. We try to do the best that we can, and we have to prioritize and, think, and, and look for things that are important to us that we can, you know, that we can, so we can help people with. I dedicated my life to helping people. Between the college scholarships for the NCAA program that I started for scouting, I started an NCAA scouting program, which was totally free, and it's well-documented. Matter of fact, I look forward to bringing some of those players on to, to some of my podcasts on some of my lives. I have like a, maybe a reunion with some of the players. The scholarships that I generated were worth over 12 
million dollars documented. The YMCA, which my director of operations just had the pleasure of visiting very recently. I took her out there to see my name in the stone. And as you walk into the YMCA in West Broward, look down on the ground, you'll see my name carved into the stone. When you walk inside, you'll see my name on the founding members board. I'm one of the original founding members that paid to have that facility built. And if you go into the rock climbing wall room, I built the entire rock climbing wall room. So they put my name in there and all my kids' names in that room. And that rock climbing wall is still there today. This is one of dozens of things you know that I've done besides raising $60,000 for Hurricane Maria victims in Puerto Rico and, and $37,000 for the Hurricane Harvey victims and shipping all that stuff out there. There's videos of me on my YouTube account picking up the items that were paid for, that was donated, the money was donated, picking up the items by hand, putting them onto carts and pallets and taking them out to cars and trucks and putting them in by hand. So, you know, when you see somebody and you see that they appear to be successful, sometimes the best thing you can do is just say, wow, I wonder what this person did to get to this level. Instead of being a pocket watcher, instead of being envious, instead of being jealous, how about saying, you know what, man, This guy's got a Rolls Royce, maybe not the kind of car I would like to have, but I wonder what he did to get to this point. I wonder what his life story is. Let me look him up and maybe let me check out his story. Let me see what he's done. I wonder if he's let me ask him, hey, have you have you I know you're doing pretty good right now, but have you helped any people? Have you, you know, have you spent some time like, you know, donating or giving back? And I'd be more than happy to tell that person, well, I spent forty six thousand dollars giving paying single parent uh, final notice electric bills the last four years in a row. Helped raise over $12 million in college scholarships, another couple of hundred thousand dollars in helping people in different types of disasters all around the world, as well as monies that we just raised and gave to uh, the people that had the freeze in Texas just recently. The giving actually never stops. It's something that is just part of me. Matter of fact, I used to get in trouble. I used to be married a long time ago, and, and, and that I was getting in trouble for giving away too much. <laughs> I was giving away everything. Because I, I believe in abundance. I believe that I'm walking in abundance and I believe that it will never run out because I'm doing everything right and, and I know the recipe. And so because of that, I believe that I'm in a good position. And so you have to understand that we are all human beings <clears throat> on this planet together and we deserve to walk in abundance and some people are walking in abundance that you say, well, they're not doing a lot of great, great things. Well, that's on them. They got to live with that karma. I'm doing the right things. I'm taking care of business. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. <clears throat> I raised my kids right. I did everything I was supposed to do. And now, guess what, guys? I'm going to live my best life. And I encourage you to live your best life. <clears throat> a lot of what's happening here when people do this trolling and this hating on when they see a person that appears to be successful and they want to troll and hate on them, a lot of it has to do with their own laziness and their own lack of abundance mentality, their own lack mentality. They don't believe that they even deserve anything worth than what they have right now. And if they do want to wish or dream for something more, they don't believe it's achievable. They doubt, they self-doubt themselves. They let self-doubt creep in and stop their blessing, stop their abundance because self-doubt is a low frequency and abundance is a high frequency. I'm always vibrating at a high frequency. Now, sometimes I will get frustrated and sometimes I will be like, you know, 
I'll see what's going on in the world and get a little like down here and there. But I pick myself right back up. I recheck myself. I get back in brain heart coherence. I get back in alignment. People frustrate me all the time. I may mumble under my breath a little bit, but at the end of the day, I still love everyone. I still love, I literally do literally, literally love everyone at the end of the day. And so I think that we have to understand it's important for us to gain financial literacy. And, and, and once we gain that and understand a combination of that with abundance, the abundance mentality, then you'll see things totally differently. Now, abundance means different things to everyone. For me, I need a lot of revenue available to me because I help a lot of people. That's part of my life's mission. And so I, I'm not the type of person that the abundance for me can't be just my electric bills paid. For somebody else, that's abundance and that's okay. Because I'd rather have your electric bill paid than you not have no electricity at all. That's a lack of abundance. So abundance means what all your needs are met when they're needed to be met on time and even ahead of time without you having any stress or pressure, even have to focus on it happening. It's just going to happen automatically. That's an abundance mentality. Now, there are levels of abundance that people need because I'm a person that helps multitudes. And to help multitudes, I need multitudes of money because this is a financial matrix that we're operating in. Unfortunately, that's where we're at. And so that's the reality we're in. I'm not going to run and hide from it and act like it doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's a reality right now. So if I want to do something like I'm doing right now where I'm giving away a Rolls Royce ghost that's going to have a dual benefit, one benefit, the person that wins it is going to have an opportunity to actually uh, sell that car right away. They'll get between one hundred and twenty and $150,000 cash in their hand that they can invest into a business, invest into the stock market, uh, pay for college tuition, whatever they, you know, pay off a mortgage or buy a house, maybe get into real estate property flipping. There's so many things you can do with that kind of money. It takes money to make money. So that's a huge blessing right there. The second thing is the money from the raffles is going to go to help underprivileged children with school book bags, gifts for the holidays, and keep their electric bills running in the winter when it's cold so they don't freeze to death in their beds at night. They can focus on being a good student the next day at school or doing what they got, what they got to do. Taking away that little bit of stress will help somebody ease the pain a little bit on somebody and help them focus the next day what they got to do in life. So now I can't do that if I'm just getting the bare bones needs met. I need, I need massive abundance. So I'm giving away a Rolls Royce. I've got another Rolls Royce. I've got two at my house at the same time. And I'm going to give away the second one. Most likely if, it, if, 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 if the universe aligns right and everything is in the right alignment, that one will probably be given away as well. Okay. And now look at the abundance I'm seeing. Now I have people that want to donate cars to be given away in a raffle. I'm talking about amazing cars. Amazing cars, sports cars, Bentleys and and all this kind of stuff. So my abundance attracted more abundance. And that abundance is being used to help people, which is going to attract more abundance. It's like an abundance virus, okay? And so the biggest thing you got to realize, man, is stop hating, stop being envious, stop pocket watching, stop counting people's money in their pocket and trying to figure out how much they get and what they're getting, how much they earn, what they, where they get their money. What are they going to do with all this money they got? Stop doing that. Instead, take that same energy and focus that energy into your making your own plans, your own goals. How are you going to get to where you're going to go? 
Use that energy to ask questions. Use that energy to research. Use that energy to become more financially literate. Besides buying this book, my book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke, there are a lot of other books you can get. Okay? You need to get some personal finance books. Get personal finance for dummies on uh, Amazon. Start there. Okay? Get a beginner's guidebook to personal finance and money management by Mark A. Thompson. Try that book. Um, You know, there's a lot of books. Infographic Guide to Personal Finance is another great book. That's by Michelle Cabin. There's there's books that you can get that are going to get you to the next level. And there's one more I probably would get, which would be um, uh, Get Good with Money. And that's by Tiffany Alish, A-L-I-C-H-E, Tiffany Alish. Get these books. Start learning stuff. Get woke doesn't mean broke. Learn some stuff. Find out what it takes to to maintain to gain and maintain abundance. And the next thing you want, you're going to want to do is you're going to want to focus on building a legacy. Because when you're legacy building, abundance is guaranteed. Right now, you can probably see behind me legacy on my board back there. You see this? You got... Uh, my, my periodic table of success is behind me right now. I keep a huge, a huge one on my on my wall so I can remind myself every single day what I'm out here trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish. So you see, I have a legacy back there behind me, top middle. Right now, I'm focused on building legacy. I'm, built, I'm focused on building, um, you know, generational wealth for my family. Because why? Well, my parents both died. Both my parents are gone. And guess what I got? Nothing, no inheritance, no real estate. I got nothing. You know what I got? Hey, you're the one in the family making the most money. Why don't you pay for these funerals? That's what I got. Okay, <laughs> that's what I got. So at at what point do we stop this this generational curse? I I decided I was going to stop it. I got my family together uh, on Fourth of July. My kids, they had to all come over. And the grandkids, because uh, I'm starting my recorded will and testament series and my financial literacy series series with my kids. Now they're all adults. Thirty, you know, my oldest son is thirty one. My youngest is twenty one, and uh, I got three grandchildren. But each one of my kids gets a specific amount of money in case something happens to me. It's a combination of of uh, of uh, of my whole life policy, another life policy that I have along with uh, liquidated assets from various assets, shares and stock in, uh, in my companies. And so the combination of all of that really is, is six figures for every single one of them, including the grandchildren. Now, in order to get access to that, <laughs> you're not just going to, if I, if something happens to me, you're not just going to get that money. That's not how it works. You got to, you have to have a 700 credit score. Number one, you have to have a 700 credit score or something equivalent to the credit score at the time frame in that era if something does happen to me. The next thing you have to have is you have to have a be full-time job or be uh, or uh you know be gainfully employed basically or be in your own business. One of the two for at least 1 year. For at least 1 year prior to anything happening to me. Prior to. And if not, you need to complete a year. And if you don't have anything at all, you got to start from zero and build up to one year before you can go back in and request access to your inheritance. 
The next thing is you can't be living with a parent or a family member. You have to be living on your own with your spouse or your better half or by yourself. You have to show that you can actually sustain and maintain your own place. And the next thing you have to do is you have to come to my financial courses that I teach privately just with them once every quarter. And if you don't attend the financial literacy courses with me to learn how to run and manage this money the right way, then you can't get anything. You'll be erased out of the will. You see, this is how you set it up. Now, for the grandchildren, they have they get trust funds. And in their trust fund, they get some of the money when they turn 18. They get some of the money when they turn 25, as long as they meet the requirements. And then they get the rest when they turn 30, as long as they meet the requirements. Because you don't give six figures to a person that just turned 18 years old. You just don't do it. Where do I get this knowledge from? Where do I get this wisdom from? My friends are billionaires. <laughs> That's where I get it from. I get it from billionaires. Friends of mine. So it's a process of learning how to grow, build, maintain abundance, and then also build legacy, legacy building, which, which is the next big thing. And if you're building a legacy, if you focus on legacy building, you're automatically going to have abundance as a side effect. As a side effect, it's just guaranteed. You you can't build legacy without having abundance. It just it just goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. Now, doing a very special workshop coming up. It's going to be on trading options and earn earn up to one thousand dollars a day. I'm going to teach you how to earn up to one thousand dollars a day. Okay, and I'm going to actually teach you these methods. It's on trading stock options. I'm going to have an extensive four hour course on this. You can get the ticket on eventbrite.com. So if you go to eventbrite.com and type in Billy Carson in the search box, the trading options workshop should pop right up and you can register for that ASAP. I recommend you get an ASAP as space is limited. I'm going to take everyone from that workshop that I do. I'm going to teach you how to raise, how to earn a thousand up to a thousand dollars a day or more in some cases. I mean, depending on how much you can start off with. You can start an account with only 500 bucks trading account, and I'm going to teach you how to build that to thousands, tens of thousands. And then I'm going to take everyone from that that bought tickets to that event. And I'm going to put you in a private group, my own private group on my own social media platform, Unite the 99. And I'm going to uh, basically guide you every single day on what things I'm looking at and what op- what in, what um what research I have on particular stocks what options I'm looking at, which ones I'm going to get into, which ones I'm going to get out, which ones I'm going to put calls and puts on and so forth and so on. And eventually every one of us in that group are going to be knowledgeable enough to start sharing their research and their input and information. And we're going to create a group of people that are going to eventually generate millions of dollars trading stock options as we continue to help one another grow and build. Because I don't have a problem giving up the game. I give up the game. There's a cup. It's going to cost you a couple of dollars to come to my event peanuts nothing why you have to be you gotta gotta make you honorable gotta make you feel like okay i gotta pay attention i gotta learn this i gotta learn i I need i need to learn what's going on here because i've done a couple of these things for zero and guess what happens people don't pay attention they don't learn they don't they don't use it they don't utilize the the information it's like ah whatever i can go check this out later when you pay a couple of dollars when you got some skin in the game you pay attention you learn and you actually execute and so that's what it's going to be about So trading options with Billy Carson, find that on eventbrite.com. 
ASAP. I'll make sure that the link is in the caption of this video as well. And probably in the caption of the podcast, you'll have the link there as well to sign up. Register. It's on August the 7th. It's coming up very soon, August the 7th. Make sure you register for that event. And I'm going to teach you how to earn up to $1,000 a day. That way you can make money on the side to build for your legacy without having to get a second job or a third job. Then you could take that money. You could parlay it as into investments, into real estate and everything else. That's going to be a second course that I'm going to teach later on, how to parlay that money and build on it. The first course is going to be how to trade stock stock options and earn up to $1,000 a day. Okay. Coming very, very soon. So guys, again, stop trolling people. Stop pocket watching. Stop hating on people because you don't have what they have or you think they should be living the way that you think that they should be living. A lot of the times people want their opinions to come out of my mouth. But that's never going to happen. (laughs) Because I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. I'm just a natural born leader. It's just a fact. It's just the way I am. It's the way I was built. And because of that, your opinion will never come out of my mouth. It'll always be my opinion based off of my own research. And I do very good research. I'm one of the world's top researchers, as a matter of fact. So again, get the book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. Come to the Trading Options Workshop. If you're worried about, you know, not being abundant, let me show you and teach you how to become abundant so that when you see somebody successful, you don't have to go, oh man, that's a lucky person. Because I guarantee you, the harder, I bet you, the harder they work, the luckier they seem to get. Let me give you the game. The game is in this book right here. The game is in this book. The game is in my workshop. That's just the beginning of the game. I'm going to do many more things to help you guys get to the level that I'm at and beyond. And beyond. And I'm also going to give all of you an opportunity to invest in Forbidden Knowledge TV, not only be a viewer, but also a part owner in what you're watching. So you take pride in what you're watching and you're earning money on it. Dividends. There's a lot of levels to the game. and I'm trying to give it all to you guys. Trying to give it all. So please like subscribe on, on this YouTube video. Please click the bell for reminders for the next podcast. And uh, share this video with as many people as you can. If this is a podcast, share this podcast with as many people as you can. Replay this, listen to it again. And I'll be back again next week with another powerful, amazing podcast with some more amazing guests. Thank you again for Bid Knowledge signing out. This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today.